You're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, this message is a bit ironic in that the topic is ministering healing because you're healed. And then on Thursday night, I had spent the afternoon starting to prepare for the message Then on Thursday night, I was in emergency because my blood pressure spiked. Still don't know why. Well, immediately, I had dozens of people praying for me. My men's small group came and laid hands on me and then took me to emergency. Uh, But I was not healed immediately. I had to go to the emerge, and they had to put me on some drugs to bring it down, and even still, I'm on blood pressure meds. So how do I minister healing to people in my life network when I myself am not healed? That's a question before us today. Now, because of my recent circumstances, I could twist the topic around and say, well, perhaps Jesus only promised spiritual healing. And certainly, that healing is ours, isn't it? Spiritual healing. In fact, Isaiah 53, long before Christ even showed up on the scene, Isaiah 53, verses 5 to 6 says, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep, having gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the Old Testament prophet predicting the ministry of Jesus. And in his ministry throughout Galilee and Samaria and Judea, uh, Jesus took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows and our diseases. He healed many people, didn't he? Just read the Gospels. And it was by his later piercing that brought us wandering sheep spiritual healing. So both kinds of healing were in the ministry of Jesus, physical healing and spiritual healing. Jesus himself takes that same scripture and he applies it to his ministry of physical healing and the releasing of the demonic, demon-possessed people. And this was all before the cross. Matthew 8, he sa- it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in the bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and she began to wait on him. That's a good healing, hey? When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he carried our diseases. So clearly, the ministry of Jesus was not just about our spiritual healing and healing our our, our spiritual condition by forgiving us our sins. Jesus' ministry to us wasn't just in what he accomplished on the cross. Jesus also came to minister the benefits of the kingdom of God on earth now in healing the sick and and driving out demons. This validated his ministry. It, 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 It showed his true identity as God's Messiah. You know, I I really wrestle with this topic of healing. I'm convinced by Scripture that, that Jesus has spiritually healed me by being pierced for my transgressions according to the Bible. That's already a done deal. But there are aspects of my spiritual healing that really have yet to be realized, and yours too, and won't be realized until we leave this planet and we are to be with the Father forever. 
This brings back the concept that we talked about last year, that the benefits of the king and his kingdom are an already not yet kind of concept. They're not yet complete, but they're complete, right? Perhaps that is the approach to scripture that we should take with regard to physical healing. Because if you look through the the, the life network that you have, there are people there who you know struggle with sickness. Who How do you minister to people there, though, when you yourself might not feel very healed or with you, if you struggle with sickness? I'm going to bring a few points here this morning that might help bring clarity to this. Number one is this. The goal of ministering healing is to bring a lost child back to the Father. The goal of ministering healing is to bring a lost child back to the Father. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It had been prophesied long ago that when Messiah came, he would return the lost sheep back to the Father. Luke chapter 15, let's pick up some of this here, verse 3 to 5, the fulfillment of it. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country And go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Nothing brings God more joy than reconciling lost sheep back to his care. So where do we fit in? On the first Sunday of this series, I gave you a little red bracelet. Some of you are wearing yours today. I gave you this little red bracelet. There's a few left if you want them after the service. My hope was that it would remind you of the transformational thing that has taken place in you. When you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, God sent His Son, the Savior of your life. And when you acknowledge that, you become a child of God. Remember that at one time you were lost, a lost sheep, but now that's all changed in you. 1 John chapter 4, 14 to 15, which has been our anchor passage throughout this series. And it says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And that red bracelet is to remind you why the Father sent the Son, so that by His stripes you could be healed spiritually. Oh man, there's how, how much the Father has loved us, hey, and lavished that love on us. Now that bracelet is also a circle, maybe a little malformed now because of my wrist, but it's a circle, and it is to remind you that of what's at the center of your life. It's a picture of the new you. It's a picture of what God has made you now by indwelling you with his own presence. Like the passage says, and so many others, God has given us His Spirit. And it's Pentecost Sunday today. We rejoice in that so that now God lives in you and you now live in God. And that's the new you that you are if you have acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. 
God is no longer on the outside of your life network looking in, hoping to get in. God is no longer just present when you need him to show up for something. God is now dwelling in you forever by his spirit. So that means that everything about you is different now. Everything. So when you became a Christian, you got more than just your sins canceled. That spiritual healing also gained you a new status before God. Let me read you a few scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-18. It says that because you are now in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Colossians 2, verses 13-14 to 14 says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins and canceled everything that condemned you and stood between you and God. And he took it all away by nailing it to the cross. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, Yet to all who receive him, that is Christ, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are not the same you you used to be, right? You are not the same you you used to be, and you are not your own person anymore. You've been bought with a price, you belong to Christ, and he now belongs to you. You are a child of God, you are part of his family. And all of that, will then affect how you relate to your life network. Every person in your life network who has not proclaimed Jesus as their Savior and Lord is a lost child in need of spiritual healing, just like you have received. They were born into the image of God, but sin keeps them from the Father. They're lost. So being a child of God yourself, your goal should be to, to as a child of God yourself, to bring every lost child you possibly can in your life network back into the fold with God. 2 Corinthians 5 explains what this is like. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you hear that? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, notice this, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal to our life networks through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're told here that God has made you And he has saved you for a very special purpose. You are not Jesus, but because he indwells you, you are his ambassador. You are his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece, his heart. You are his everything to the world around you. In fact, God is committed to you, as I said, the healing ministry and message of reconciliation. The same message and the same ministry that he gave to the Son to heal the relationship with the world, to bring lost people back to himself, God has given that to you. The whole premise of this series has been that that you need to stop seeing yourself by how you used to be. And you need to stop seeing yourself as how the world sees you. Or how other people see you. And start seeing yourself by what he did for you. By what God thinks of you now. Start seeing yourself how God sees you. Learn to wake up being loved 
which was our first Sunday. Accepted, our second Sunday. Learn to wake up being free from sin and guilt, third Sunday. Learn to wake up being a child of God. Learn to wake up being a minister of reconciliation. Point number two. Often the way to bring back a lost child is to minister healing. Often the way to bring back a lost child is to minister healing. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, or we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Oftentimes, I don't think people realize that they're lost until something breaks in their life. You ever notice that? Maybe that was your experience coming to faith. People don't realize they're lost until something breaks in their life. It might be a relationship. It might be an activity from their life network. It might be work. It might be a family thing. It might be a friendship. It might be themselves. It might be their own health. Broken. Then they will do what we all do at first. They will try to get God who they didn't want to be a part of their life or involved in their life in any way before, to start wanting to help them by healing something that is broken in them. Here's where you come in. You are the child of God. You are the minister of reconciliation to those lost people in your life network, those broken people. And you can come alongside them and you can tell them the good news that God can heal what's broken in their life. Hey, that's awesome, isn't it? But ultimately, they will need to be reconciled to him. They need to accept Jesus as their Savior and their Lord so that he can bring them into his family. They need to accept Jesus. But again, often the only way to bring back a lost child to the Father is to minister healing to them in Jesus' name. Your ministry of healing opens doors for Jesus to work through their brokenness. So what kind of healing are we talking about? This is our third point. You can minister healing by meeting needs, by meeting everyday physical needs. You can minister healing by meeting everyday physical needs. The story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, is a good example of how Jesus expects his followers to meet the needs, the physical needs of people around them, in a a way to draw them back to the Father. If you look at your own life network, guaranteed, you will see some people there that need some help in that way. They may need it in the form of a visit after suffering a loss. They may need food after a hospital visit or after just having a baby. They may be aged and physically can't do things around the house that they used to do, like mow the lawn or get their own groceries. So many people live far from family, and so they can't expect their help, but you're local. You're in their life network. And the last thing that people want to do is ask for help, but if you offer help, if you instigate the help, if you make it happen... So you be that good Samaritan who steps up and meets a physical need, an everyday need. That's one way that you minister healing to people. And it's a common way. It's a very simple, practical way. Again, look at your life network. Who's there that needs you to minister them in an everyday way? Point number four. You can minister healing by praying for the sick. 
You can minister healing by praying for the sick. When Jesus trained his disciples to be ministers of the kingdom of God, you know what he taught them to do? He taught them to do what he did. It says in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, this is just one instance of his training times. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You know, many believers live with this gnawing sense in their life that there must be more to their Christian experience than what they're experiencing. Something more supernatural than what they're seeing on a daily basis. I mean, you read all about it in the Gospels, it's on every page. But because our experience doesn't match what we see in God's Word, doubts begin to rise in our minds and our hearts. And we rationalize that Jesus must have only meant that for his disciples and not for us. Or, or maybe it was just the time that he was living in. So, a Christian will stumble through their Christian life experience expecting God, expecting nothing from God, and doing the bare minimum themselves because they're not expecting much. They believe in Jesus, but they struggle to do so. They go to church most Sundays, but they struggle coming. They read their Bibles and they pray, but they struggle to get anything out of it. They want to do good works in the world and they want to share the gospel, but they struggle to find the courage and the right opportunity to do it. And then when the right opportunity happens, the courage isn't there. What if you and I didn't have to bury that anymore? And what if it wasn't what if, it, what if that wasn't our only Christian experience? What if our Christian experience didn't need to be that? There are multiple examples in the New Testament where Jesus promised that our experience with him would be no different than the disciples had with him. In fact, on a few occasions, he even promised that ours would be better. On one occasion, Jesus even says that everyone who believes will do the works he did. Because they too will have the Holy Spirit in them. He's pointing to Pentecost today. John 14, 12. You know this one well. I've preached on it lots. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me. Who's part of the whoever here? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Do you believe in Jesus? And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What are the works that Jesus did? Well, you've heard me preach on this before, and it's the same as he, the same works that he trained his disciples, the 12 and the 72, to do. Luke chapter 9, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons, cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Really? Those are the works? That's some of them. But I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I've prayed for people to be healed, and some of them have been miraculously healed out there in the world, even here on the, in the pew. I've experienced that in my own life, in my own family. But I've also prayed for people, and they weren't. People prayed for me Thursday, and I wasn't. I sat in an emergency room a few nights ago, even after many people prayed for me, and I'm still on meds for it today. Now granted, I didn't take care of my body when I was younger. I'll be honest there. I didn't eat well. I didn't exercise well. So a lot of that is on me. And that emergency room visit was a product of all of that. So if you're young, 
smarten up. (laughs) Yet I still believe Jesus heals because I've seen it before with my own eyes. Not just spiritual healing either. I'm talking physical healing. I'm talking the miraculous. Think of it this way. Ultimately, healing is under the authority and the power of who? Jesus. If Jesus were to show up in the room today, do you think I would be healed? Even if I was stupid as a kid and ate all the wrong things? Yeah. And so would you. Because we read all throughout our Gospels how Jesus healed crowds of people. Well, look at the center of your life network. At the center of your life network, isn't Jesus the same Jesus who holds the authority to heal living in you right now? That's the whole point of Pentecost, folks. Right now, he lives within you. And he has the power. Well, if that same Jesus is in you that gave authority to the disciples to cast out demons, to pray for healing, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then what does that mean for you today? So when you show up in your life network, you show up with Jesus, no matter where you are. And if you're with someone who needs healing, that means Jesus is in the room with you. That means that on behalf of Jesus, you can minister healing at that moment. I think what I've come to discover that the emphasis, in my mind, isn't any more on the healing as it is on the doing the works. The doing is the faith part for me. If you have faith that Jesus is able to heal the person who's standing in front of you, then you will step out in faith and you will offer to pray for their healing. To pray for them to be released of their bondage or their brokenness. I know that's a risky offer, isn't it? What if Jesus doesn't come through for them? Well, I know it sounds bad, but isn't that really God's problem? He's told you in his Bible repeatedly to do the works he did. Not just deliver groceries to shut-ins, although that's a good thing, but also pray for the sick. So you offer to pray for them and the rest is on him. You do your part. You do the part that is your part. For what we see in the Bible is supposed to be our part. And his part is to heal. All I know is this. 0% of the people that I don't pray for will get healed. 0%. In case you have a hard time with math like I do. When I don't pray for people, I will miss the chance to see the power of God at work in them to heal every time. And some do get, get healed when I pray. And some of you have prayed for people and they've been healed. You know it works. But what about those that don't? Well, that's God's problem. Like Abraham prayed, God's reputation is on the line, not mine. I know Jesus heals. I've seen him do it again and again and again. And why wouldn't I offer to minister healing to some people in my life because I saw him not heal once or twice before? Especially when the Bible tells me to pray for the sick. To not offer healing prayer for the sick for the hurting person, the person in bondage, is to not love, is to not be compassionate. 
One day in the Gospel of Matthew, we read that Jesus took a boat to a solitary place. He had already been with the crowds a long time, healing their sick, preaching, but the crowds had gathered around him again, even when he reached this solitary place. He was tired. He needed to be with the Father. But Matthew tells us in his Gospel, chapter 14, 13 to 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he what? Had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. When you show up in the room, you bring Jesus with you. Am I right? Yes? And he has compassion for the people that you know. He wants them healed. I think you got to believe that Jesus wants your friends healed. So often we say when we, when we don't get healed that maybe it just wasn't God's will. Well, that may be so in some circumstances. I don't ever claim to be God. But the Jesus I know from the Gospels, he was always willing to heal because he had compassion on the crowds. Sometimes he couldn't heal, though. You do know that, right? Like when he was in his own hometown of Nazareth, he couldn't heal because of their lack of faith. One time Jesus asked someone, do you want to be healed? Do you know that there are people that are sick that don't want to be healed? They'd rather stay in their sickness. One time the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of someone and the demon just wouldn't go. Jesus shows up and they ask him, why couldn't we do it? You told us we could do it. And Jesus said, you unbelieving and twisted generation, how long do I have to put up with you? This, only, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. How many of us have been willing to spend time fasting for the healing of someone we care about? Spiritual healing or physical healing? How badly do we want to see a miracle of God take place in their life? Would it be enough to submit ourselves to God and resist our temptation for food for a while? The Apostle Paul prayed for a few of his fellow workers like Trophimus and Epaphroditus and Timothy. And only, only Epaphroditus recovered. Timothy always had problems with his stomach, we hear. But not right away. Even Paul had a, what scholars, well, the Bible calls a thorn in his side. It was probably either some kind of condition that he had, physical malady, or some reoccurring sin issue that he dealt with. I'm more prone to think it was a malady of some sort. I don't know why some people don't get healed. I'm not smart enough to know why. But perhaps it's not mine to understand. But what I do know is that Jesus told us to do the works he did. And for me not to do that is not God's problem, it's my problem. So the thing you and I need to resolve in our heart, our mind, in our faith is this. If we really believe does Jesus have authority to heal the person in front of me? Is Jesus with me? If he is, then Jesus is in the room with me with that person. Does Jesus have compassion on the people that I care about? This person standing in front of me? By what we read in the Gospels, we have no reason to believe otherwise, do we? Does Jesus want me to do the works that he did? Yes. He said it over and over and over again, and it was the very purpose for which he sent his spirit at Pentecost. Then let's just do it. Let's step out in faith, 
you can minister healing in Jesus' name and leave the results to God. Don't let the questions of what God wants to do or why he doesn't heal sometimes or whether you have enough faith or whether you're praying the right words in the right way. Don't let all those questions stop you from doing what you know you should be doing because the word of God tells you to do it. Don't let the fear of an unanswered outcome stop you from doing what you were told by Jesus to do. We need to stop letting our experience and the experience of others, we need to stop letting life speak louder than the Lord in our Bibles. If God says it, it's what? True. If he says it, we know we can believe it, but the believing is on us. Believing enough to step out in faith and do the works he did. So we just need to step out in faith. Believe that we can minister in Jesus' name because he said we could. And if, if you don't pray for people to be healed, well, guess what? Guaranteed you will never see it happen. You'll only hear of it happening. And then you'll question, did that really happen? Because you didn't see it. Look at your bracelet. It's red. I even know that being colorblind. By his stripes you are healed, my friends. Right? Amen? By, your, by his stripes you are healed. His death brought you spiritual healing. Praise be to God. It's also a circle. It's a circle to remind you that Jesus is in you, in the center of your being. He is always with you, and he always empowers you by his spirit to live how he lived, with boldness and confidence. It's a circle bound to your wrist to remind you that you have been put into a God-ordained life network to minister the love, acceptance, and freedom and healing of God to those people as often as you see them. To be Jesus on Jesus' behalf. To be a reconciler. An ambassador. Ultimately, we are Christ's ambassadors to our life network, and He has personally given you the message and the ministry of reconciliation. So step out in faith and do it. The goal of ministering healing is to bring lost, a lost child back to the Father. And often, the way to bring back a lost child is to minister healing. You can minister healing by meeting everyday physical needs, and you can minister healing in your life network by praying for the sick. Often, you are their minister. Pretend you have a collar around your neck wherever you go, and they just expect you to show up with Jesus. John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. Let's pause to pray. Lord, so often in my Christian journey, I've wished that I could be in the shoes of one of the disciples, Peter, James, John. Because I, I, I used to think that that was the better experience, that that would have been just awesome. And I'm sure it would be in a lot of ways. But Lord, you said to them, you said to us 
that it's even better for us now because of Holy Spirit in our lives. Pentecost, Lord, comes around once a year in the Christian calendar. But Pentecost for the Christian is every day. Lord, I hope by this series of messages that we have come away believing that you love us, that you accept us, that you have set us free by your stripes. We are healed spiritually. That we are children of God. That we have you residing and dwelling within each of us. And that now today we've been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation to be your ambassadors. That is who we are now, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We are not the people we used to be and we don't have to go back to those days of unbelief. Let us today, Lord, step out in faith. Give us the boldness, the prompting by your spirit every day when we're around people, when we see brokenness, when we see a need for healing, that, Lord, we jump to the chance to minister on your behalf. Oh, Lord, we love you. You've given us so much. Now, Lord, may we be your hands and feet in a world that is lost in needing of salvation. We bless you. I bless your people here today, Lord that they would go out from here today knowing the power of God in their life. Miracles, signs and wonders, whatever, Lord, you would have for us, bring it on because we truly believe in Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.